Chapter 7 The Sorting Hat The doors swung open at once a tall black haired witch in emerald green robe stood there she had a very stern face and harry's first thought was that it was not someone too cross the first year's professor mcgonagall said hagrid thank you hagrid i will take them from you she pulled the door wide the entrance hall was so big you could have fitted the whole of dursley's house in it the stone walls were lit with flaming torches like the ones at gringotts the ceilings were too high to make out and a magnificent marble staircase facing them led to the upper floors they followed professor mcgonagall across the flagged stone floor harry could hear the drone of hundreds of voices from a doorway to the right the rest of the school must already be here but professor mcgonagall showed the first years into a small empty chamber of the hall they crowded in standing rather close together than they would usually have done here is about the the safety welcome to hogwarts said professor mcgonagall the start of term banquet will begin shortly but before you take your seats in the great hall you will be sorted into your houses the sorting is a very important ceremony because while you are here your house will be something like your family within hogwarts you will have classes with the rest of your house sleep in your house dormitory and spend free time in your house common room the four houses are called gryffindor hufflepuff ravenclaw and slytherin Each house has its own noble history and each has produced outstanding witches and wizards. While you are here at Hogwarts, your triumphs will earn you your house points. With while any rule breaking will lose house points. At the end of the year, the house with the most points is awarded the house cup, a great honor. I hope each of you will be a credit to whichever house becomes yours. The sorting ceremony will take place in few minutes in front of the rest of the school. I suggest you all smarten yourselves up as much as you can while you are waiting. Her eyes lingered for a moment on Neville's clothes, which was fastened under his left ear, and on Ron's smushed nose. Harry nervously tried to flatten his hair. I shall return when we are ready for you," said Professor McGonagall. "Please wait quietly." She left the cha- chamber. Harry swallowed. "How exactly did you sort us into our houses?" he asked Ron. "Some sort of test, I think." Fred said it hurts a lot, but I think he was joking. Harry's heart gave a horrible shoot. A test in front of the whole school, but he didn't know any magic yet. What on earth would he have to do? He hadn't expected something like this the moment they arrived. He looked around anxiously and saw that everyone else was looking terrified too. No one was talking much except Hermione Granger who was whispering very fast about all spells she had learnt at Wardrey, which one she'd need. Harry tried hard not to listen to her. He'd be never be more nervous, never. Not even he had to take a school report home. Dursley saying that he somehow turned his teacher's wig blue. He kept his eyes fixed on the door. Any second, Professor McGonagall would come back and lead him to his doom. 
then something happened which made jump about a foot in the air several people behind him screamed he gasped so did the people around him about 20 ghosts had streamed up through the black wall poly white and slightly transparent they glided across the room talking to each other and hardly glancing at the first years they seemed to be arguing for what looked like a fat little monk was saying forgive and forget i say we ought to give him a second chance my dear prior we haven't given peace or peeps all the chances he deserves he gives us a, all a bad name and you know he's not really even a ghost i say what are you all doing here a ghost wearing a scarf and tight had noticed the first years nobody answered you students said the fat friar smiling around at them about to be spotted as suppose a few people nodded mutely hope to see you in uh, hufflepuff said the friar my old house you know move along now said the sharp voice the sorting ceremony is about to start professor mcgonagall had returned one by one the ghosts floated away through the opposite wall now form a line Professor McGonagall told the Fosters and followed, feeling only as though his legs had turned into a leaf. Harry got into the line behind the boy with sandy hair, with Ron behind him, and they walked out of the chamber, back across the hall, and through a pair of double doors into the great hall. Had Harry never imagined such a strange and splendid place? It was lit by thousands and thousands of candles, which were floating in the mid-air over the four long tables where the rest of the students were sitting. These tables were laid with glittering gold plates and goblets. At the top of the hall was another long table where the teachers were sitting. Professor McGonagall let the first year appear so that they came to a halt in a line facing the other students with the teachers behind them the hundreds of faces staring at them looked like pale lanterns in the flickering candlelight dotted here and there among the students the ghost showed misty silver mainly to avoid all staring eyes harry looked upwards and saw a velvety black ceiling dotted with stars He heard Hermione whisper, "It's a, it's weavish to look like the sky outside." I read it about in a Hogwarts history. It was hard to believe that there was ceiling there at all, and the great hall didn't simply open to heavens. Harry quickly looked down again as Professor McGonagall silently, silently placed a four-legged stool in front of the first years. On the top of the stool, she pointed a wizard's hat. This hat was patched and frayed and extremely dirty. Aunt Petunia wouldn't have let it in the house. Maybe they had tried to get a rabbit out of it. Harry thought wildly that this seemed to be the sort of thing. Noticing that everyone in the hall was staring at the hat, he stared at it too. For a few seconds, there was completely silence. Then the hat twitched a near. Grim opened wide like a mouth, and the hat began to sing. Oh, you many things are pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your 
bowler's black your top hat sleek and tall for i am the hogwarts sorting hat and i can tap them all there's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see so try me on and i will tell you where you ought to be you might belong in gryffindor where dwells the brave at heart you are daring enough and chivalry set gryffindor apart you might belong in hufflepuff where they are just and loyal those patient hufflepuffs are true and afraid of toil or yet in wise old ravenclaw if you have already mind where those of wit and learning will always finish their Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on. Don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You are in safe hands. Two, I have done. From I am a thinking cap. The whole hall burst into applause as the hat finished its song. It bowed to each of the four tables and then became quite still again. So we've just gone to try on the hat. Ron whispered to Harry. I'll kill Fred. He was going on about wrestling a troll. Harry smiled meekly. Yes, trying on the hat was a lot better than having to do a spell. But he wished they could have tried it on without everyone watching. The hat seemed to be asking rather a lot. Harry didn't feel brave or quick-witted for any of it at the moment. If only the hat had mentioned a house for people who felt a bit queasy, that would have been for him. Professor McGonagall now stepped forward, holding a long roll of parchment. When I call your name, you will put your hat, put on the hat, and sit on the stool to be sorted. She said, "About Hannah, the pink-faced girl with long." Blonde pigtails stumbled out of the line, put on the hat, which fell right down over her eyes, and sat down a moment's pause. Hufflepuff shouted the hat. The table on the right cheered and clapped as Hannah went to sit down at the Hufflepuff table. Harry saw the ghost of Bone of the Fat Friar waving merrily at her. Bones, Susan. Hufflepuff shouted the hat again, and Susan scuttled off to sit next to Hannah. Boot Terry, Ravenclaw. The table, second from the left, clapped. This time, several Ravenclaws stood up to shake hands with Terry as he joined them. Brocklehurst Mandy went to Ravenclaw too, but Brown Lavender. Became the first new Gryffindor, and the table on the far left exploded with cheers. Harry could see Ron, Ginny's brother, Cat Collins, Bellstrode, Millicent, then became a Slytherin. Perhaps that was Harry's imagination after he heard all about Slytherin, but he thought they looked an unpleasant lot. Harry was starting to feel definitely sick now. He remembered being picked for teams during sports lesson at his old school. He had always been chosen to last to be chosen, not because he was no good, but because no one wanted Dudley to think they liked him. Finch, Fletchy, Austin, Hufflepuff. Sometimes Harry noticed that the hat had shouted out the house at once, but at others it looked like a little while to recite. Finnegan Seamus, the sandy-haired boy next to Harry in the line, sat on the stool for a whole minute before the hat had declared him a Gryffindor. 
Ranger Hermione. Hermione almost ran to the stool and jammed off the hat eagerly on her head. Gryffindor shouted the hat. Ron groaned. A horrible thought struck Harry, as horrible thoughts always do when you are very nervous. As horrible thoughts. What if he hasn't chosen at all? What if he just sat there with the hat over his eyes for ages until Professor McGonagall jerked it off his head and said there had obviously been a mistake and he better get back on the tray. When Neville Longbottom, the boy who kept losing his throat, was called, he fell over on his way to stool. He had took a long while to decide with Neville. When he finally shouted Gryffindor, Neville ran off still wearing it and had to jog well and gaze a plaster to give it to MacDoll Morag. Malfoy swaggered when his name was called and he got his wish at once. The hat has barely touched his head when it slipped. Slytherin! Malfoy went to join his friend Scribe and Goyan, looking pleased with himself. There were now not many people left now. Mood, not Parkinson, when a pair of twin girls, Partle and Partle, then Perks, Salani, and then at last, Potter Harry. As Harry stepped forward, whispers suddenly broke out like little hissings of fires all over the hall. Potter, did she say? The Harry Potter? The last thing Harry saw before the hat dropped his eyes was the hall full of people training to get a good look at him. Next second, he was looking at the black inside of hat. He waited. Mmm, said a little voice in his ear. Difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind either. Less talent. Oh my goodness, yes. A nice proof first to prove yourself. Now that's interesting. So where shall I put you? Harry gripped the edges of the stool and thought, Not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin, eh? Said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head. And Slytherin will help you on your on the way to greatness. No doubt about that. No? Well, if you are sure, better be Gryffindor. Harry heard that the hat shouted the last words into the whole hall. Harry took he took off the hat and walked shakily towards the Gryffindor table. He was so relieved that to have been chosen and not put in this Slytherin. He had hardly noticed that he was getting the loudest cheer yet. Percy, Percy the prefect got up and shook his hands vigorously while the Weasley twins yelled, We got Potter! We got Potter. Harry sat down opposite the ghost in the raft he had seen earlier. The ghost patted him, giving Harry the suddenly horrible feeling he had just plunged into a bucket of cold ice water. He could see the high table properly now. At the end, nearest him sat Hagrid, who caught his eye and gave him the thumbs up. Harry grinned back. And there, in the center of the high table, in the large gold chair, sat Albus Dumbledore. Harry recognized him at once from the cards he had caught out from the chocolate frog on the train. Dumbledore's silver hair was the only thing the whole hall that shone as brightly as the ghosts. 
had his quartet professor quitted too. The nervous year met from the leaky quadrant. He was looking very peculiar in a large purple turban. And now there were only three people left to be sorted. Chopin, Lisa became a Ravenclaw and then it was Ron's turn. He was pale green by now. Harry crossed his fingers under the table and a second later the hat had shouted, Gryffindor! Harry clapped loudly with the rest as Ron collapsed into the chair next to him. Well done, Ron exhalated Percy Weasley pompously across Harry as Zabini Blaze was made a slytherin. Professor Begorical rolled up her spool and took the sorting hat away. Harry looked out at his empty gold plate. He had now just realized how hungry he was. The pumpkin pasties seemed to be ages ago. Albus Dumbledore had got to his feet. He was screaming at the students. His arms opened wide as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see all of them. Welcome, he said. Welcome to your new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words, and there they are. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, pee. Thank you. He sat back down. Everyone clapped and cheered. Harry didn't know whether he was talk, whether to laugh or not. Is he a bit mad? He asked Percy uncertainly. Mad, said Percy airily. He's a genius, best wizard in the world. But he's a bit mad, yes. Potatoes, Harry? Harry's mouth fell open. The dishes in front of him were now piled with food. I had never seen so many things like to eat on the on one table. Roast beef, roast chicken, pork chops, lamb chops, sausages, bacon and steak, boiled potatoes, roast potatoes, chips, Yorkshire puddings, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup and for some strange reason, mint humbucks. The Dursleys had never exactly starved Harry. He had never been allowed to eat as much as he liked. Dudley had always taken anything from Harry he, Harry really wanted, even if it made him sick. Harry piled his plate bit of everything except hamburgers and began to eat. It was all delicious. That does look good, said the ghost in the rough sadly, watching Harry cut up his teeth. Can't you? I haven't eaten for nearly 500 years, said the host. I don't need to, of course, but one does miss it. I don't think I've introduced myself. So, Nicholas the Mimsy, popping pin at your service. Resident host of Gryffindor Tower. I know who you are, said Ron suddenly. My brothers told me about you. You are the ne- nearly headless thing. I would prefer you to call me Sir Nicholas the Mimsy. The ghost began stiffly, but... The sandy hair seems interrupted. Nearly headless. How can you be nearly headless? So Nicholas looked extremely muffled as if it had little chat. He wasn't going all the way he had wanted. Like this, he said irritably. He seized his left ear and pulled. The whole head swung off his neck and fell onto a soldier. It was as it was on a hinge. Someone had obviously tried to behead him but not done it properly. Looking pleased at the stunned look on their faces, nearly headless Jake flipped his head back on his neck, cuffed, and said, So new Gryffindors, I hope you're going to help us win the house championship this year.
Gryffindor had never gone so long without winning. Slytherin have got the cup six years in a row. The bloody band is becoming almost unbearable. It's a Slytherin boy. Harry looked over at the Slytherin table and saw a horrible ghost sitting there with blank staring eyes, a caught face and robe stained with silver blood. It was right at next to Malfoy who Harry was pleased to see didn't look so pleased with the seating arrangement. How did he get covered in blood? Asked Seamus with great interest. I've never asked, said nearly Redless intelligently. When everyone had eaten as much as they could, the remains of the food faded from the place, leaving them sparkling clean as before. A moment later, the puddings appeared. Blocks of ice creams in every flavor you could think of. Apple pies, truckle tarts, chocolate eclairs, and jam donuts. Trifles, strawberries, chili, rice pudding. As Harry helped him to trickle tart, the dog turned to their families. I'm a half and a half, said Seamus. Me, that's a muggle. Ma'am didn't tell him she was a witch till after they were married. Bit a nasty shock for him. The others laughed. What about you, Neville? Well, my grands brought me up and she's a witch, said Neville. But my family thought I was a muggle for ages. My great aunt Algie kept trying to catch me off my guard and force some magic out of me. He pushed me the end of the Blackpool Pier once. I nearly drowned, but nothing happened until I was a great uncle. Algie came round for tea and he was hanging me out of an upstairs window by the ankles when my great auntie Enid offered him a medic and he was accidentally let go. But I bounced all the way down the garden and into the road. They were all really pleased. Granny was crying. She was so happy. And you should have seen their faces when I got in here. They thought I might not be magic enough to come. You see, great Earl Angie was so pleased she bought me my coat. On Harry's other side, Percy Weasley and Hermione were talking about lesson. I hope this starts straight away. There's so much interest to learn. I am particularly interested in transfiguration. You know, something turning something into something else. Of course, it's supposed to be difficult. You will be starting small, just matches into needles and that sort of thing. Harry was starting to feel warm and sleepy. Looked up at the high table again and was haggard was drinking deeply from his goblet. Professor McConnell was talking to Professor Dumbledore. Professor Quirrell in his absurd turban was talking to a teacher with greasy black hair, a hooked nose and sorrows skin. It happened very suddenly. The hook-nosed teacher looked past Quirrell, turban straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. Ouch! Harry clapped her hand to his head. What is it? No, nothing. The pain had gone as quickly as it had come. The harder to shake off the feeling that Harry had got it from all teachers' know a feeling that he didn't like Harry at all. Who's the teacher talking to Professor Quirrell? He asked Percy. Oh, you're a Professor Quirrell already, do you? No wonder he's looking so nervous. That's Professor Snape. He teaches portion, but he doesn't want to. Everyone knows he's after Quirrell's job. Was that awful about dark arts, Snape? Harry watched Snape for a while, but Snape didn't look at him again. At last, the puddings disappeared too, and Professor Dumbledore got to his feet again. He had fun. Silent.
I have just a few more words. Now we are all fed and watered. I have a few start of term notices to give you. First years should note that the forest in the ground is forbidden to all pupils. And a few of our oldest students would do remember well that as well. The mellow swinging ice flash in the direction of Weasley Twins. I also have been asked by Mr. Filch, the caretaker, to remind you that no magic should be used between the corridors. Quidditch trials will be held in the second week of term. Anyone interested in playing for their house team should contact Madam Hoops. And finally, I must tell you that this year, the third floor corridor on the right hand side is outbounds to everyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. Harry laughed, but he was the one of you who did. He's not serious, he muttered to Percy. Must be, said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd. He usually gives us reason why we are not allowed to go somewhere. The forest full of dangerous beasts. Everyone knows that. I do think he might have told us prefects at least. And now, before we go to bed, let us sing the school song, cried Dumbledore. Harry noticed that the other teacher's smile had become rather fixed. Dumbledore gave his wand a little flick as if he was trying to get a fly off the end and long golden ribbon flew out of it, which rose high above the tables and twisted itself snake-like into words. Everyone pick up their favorite tune, said Dumbledore, and off we go now. And the school beloved, I mean below. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy-Watty, Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and blind or young with scabby knees, our heads could do the filling with some interesting stuff. For now they are bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of love. So teach us things worth knowing, bring back what we forgot, just do your bells and we'll do the rest. And learn till all our brains rot. Everyone finished the songs at different times. At last, only Weasley twins were left singing along to a very slow funeral march. Dumbledore conducted their few lines with his wand, and then they had vanished. He was one of the ones who clapped, his, clapped loudest. Ah, music, he said, wiping his eyes. A magic beyond all we do. And now, by time, off you trot. The Gryffindor years, the Gryffindor first years, followed Percy through the chattering crowds of, out of the Gryffindor hall and up the marble staircase. Harry's legs were like lead again, but only because he was so tired and full of food. He was too sleepy even to be surprised that the people in the portraits along the corridors whispered and pointed as they passed. Or that twice Percy led them through doors where hidden behind sliding panels and hanging tape trees. They climbed most staircases, yawning and dragging their feet. And Harry was just wondering how much further they had to go when they had came to a certain halt. A bundle of walking sticks was floating in midair ahead of them as Percy took a step forward with his then they started throwing themselves at him. Peace, Percy whispered to Fortress. Apologists. He raised his voice. 
peeves show yourself a loud rude sound like the air being let out of a balloon answered do you want me to go to the bloody barrel there was a pop and a little man with wicked dark eyes and a white mouth appeared floating cross legs in the mid in the air clutching the walking sticks oh he said with an evil cackle ickle firsties what fun he swooped suddenly at them they all ducked go away fees uh, go away peeves or battle here about this i mean it barked percy he stuck out his tongue and vanished dropping the walking sticks on neville's head they heard him too big away rattling Pots of hours as he passed. I want to watch out for peeves," said Percy as they set off again. The bloody baron is the only one who can control him. He won't even listen to us, Prefect. Here we are at the very end of the corridor. Hug a portrait of a very fat woman in a pink silk dress. Password," she said. "Capet Crackness," he said. Percy and the Portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it. Neville needed a leg up and found themselves in the Gryffindor common room, a cosy round room full of squashy armchairs. Percy directed the girls to one door to their dormitory and the boys to another. At the top of a spiral staircase, they were obviously in one of the towers. They found their beds as the last five, five four posters hung with the deep red velvet curtains. Their trunks had already been brought up. Too tired to talk much, they pulled on their pajamas and fell into bed. Great food, isn't it? Ron muttered to Harry through the hanging sort. Get off, scabbers! He's chewing my sheets. Harry was going to ask if he had any of the trickle tart, but fell. Asleep almost at once. Perhaps Harry had eaten a bit too much because he had a very strange dream. He was wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, which kept talking to him, telling him he must transfer to Slytherin at once because it was his destiny. Harry told the turban he didn't want to be Slytherin. It got heavier and heavier. He tried to put it off, but it tightened painfully, and there was Malfoy laughing at him as he struggled with it. Then Malfoy turned into the hook-nosed teacher, Snape, whose laugh became high and cold. There was a burst of real light and Harry awoke, sweating and shaking. He rolled over and fell asleep again, and when he woke up that day, he didn't remember the dream at all. Okay, now we, are, we have completed chapter 7. I'll bring the chapter 8 soon. Bye!